Welcome back, guys, to another week of the ATP podcast. So I just want to touch on last week's episode with Tony, uh, some of the highlights and recaps. One of the big things uh, I got out of Tony's podcast was how he is going back to the basics, getting back to um, the, the earliest of systems that he used to follow within his business and how that's starting to come full circle now, going from uh, essentially dropping them off as he got busier to employing new guys, bringing them on into the team and finding that getting those systems down pat and making sure you've got the basics working properly for you. Um, this is one of the key things that he's starting to focus on now and that um, it's really, really important to have that uh, down pat for within the business to make sure that it's still able to grow, that everyone's able to do the exact same thing. So everyone's producing the exact same results and everyone's working together and know exactly where they're at. Um, So I thought that was really awesome. And then just how Tony has a very strong belief on making sure that if he's going to be able to enjoy himself, he has to work hard as well, uh, both at work, in the gym and in life. Um, All right, guys, so I want to now touch on this week's episode. It's actually going to be brought to you in a two-parter. So we've got Kath on this week, and next, um, Kath had so much material that we had to break it down into two episodes. I think you guys are going to get a lot out of this. Kath is an amazingly motivational uh, speaker. She really uh, speaks with a lot of passion, and her story, just where she's come from, um, to where she is now is absolutely amazing. It's stuff I didn't even realize. So guys, make sure you, uh, go back and listen to Tony, uh, and then stay tuned for, um, episode five and 5.2. So or five, 5.1 and 5.2. Um, yeah, this is, it's going to be an epic podcast guys. And I really think you're going to enjoy it. Welcome team. My name is Josh Atkins. And you're listening to Australia's Most Adventurous Podcast. Um, Other than that, super loose. Just having a good old chat. Alrighty, so Kath, if uh, you want to... Give us an intro of yourself. Cool. Um, thank you, first of all, for having me. Um, I am a, I suppose, I found fitness later in life and uh, became a personal trainer only recently. So I've been involved in the industry now for four years um, and absolutely love it. I'm also a pet sitter as well. So I actually go to people's homes, pet sit, walk dogs. Um, I'm a big believer in um getting out there and giving everything a crack. So I suppose that's the reason why I came into fitness. Um, in my 20s, I had a horrid 20s. I could never do my 20s again. Um, had a lot of problems with um, alcohol, had a lot of problems with the group of people I hang, hang um, hung around. And they ultimately, and I suppose those things led to very, very bad things. Um, bad health, so I put on uh, 45 kilos and you know, wound up in very, very bad situation. I left Australia to get perspective. 
so I yeah. relocated to another country. Where'd you go? Um, I went to Japan. Oh, nice. So I think I needed to get out of my comfort zone. For so many years, I'd been running this formula, this template of running around with um, druggies, with running around with bad boys, being in a band, all that sort of stuff, and it finally caught up with me. Um, when I lived in Japan, I became uh, an English teacher, so I went over there for a year with the idea of just doing a year somewhere. I thought you were about to say like you became a monk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, So I went over there for a year, and that's all I, 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 I didn't even know what I was going to do. Everyone said, oh, so you went over there, you could speak fluent Japanese. No, I, I fuck it. At a high school, they were still only doing German as a, as a language elective. And I went over there just winging it. Um, and I think for the first time in my life, I appreciated that. I went over and I treaded water. And I think when you have that ability to um, really get, it gives you perspective. Um, also, because I couldn't speak the language, it forced me out of my comfort zone to communicate. I had to communicate to get around. And I didn't want to go over there and hang out with foreigners. I wanted to get to know more about the Japanese culture. Oh, yeah. It had all be, always been something that had fascinated me. A big melting pot of, of culture over there. So when I went over there, I was in a prefecture called Saitama Ken. So it was about an hour and a half northeast of Tokyo. So it wasn't close to the big smoke, but it was a really, really good way just to actually, I think, give myself um, perspective, learn about other things, um, and and give myself, I think, that little bit of a push. So when I went over there, I was doing 60-hour weeks. Wow. So from a lifestyle of when I was in Brisbane, you know, I was, I've always been employed, but I was bumming around. I, had, yep. I, I didn't have structure to my life. I didn't, um, I, I didn't have those things that motivated me. So for the first time in my life, I had a good job, um, and I was in a country where I was exploring as well. Um, so are, the you, first... are you still in your 20s at this stage? Correct. Yep, okay. Yeah, so I went over there, I was about 23 or 24. Oh, wow, so, early 20s. Yeah, so what actually happened is my first relationship, um, the, the guy I was with um, was a junkie. So right. he ended up um, going to jail. We had um, the feds in, we had gear out. So wow. this person went in uh, for a top of two years, or well, actually got a top of six years, served two years. Um, and as a result, I spent every weekend visiting my first boyfriend, and I thought that was love. Wow. Um, so I was going up to maximum security jail uh, when I was in my early 20s. So. Just to clarify, yeah. it wasn't Carl Williams? No! No. <laughs> and um, and the, the, the thing is, is that that was, because it was my first relationship, I thought that was love, and I thought that was also what I had to do. Right. Like, if I was with somebody, that's just what you do. You grin and you bear it. You might not like it, but you just do it. So I did that for two years, and then when that person came out on good behaviour and I was in a good house, I was in a good job, came back out, started living with me again, but started using. Right. So that was my indicator to me. Look, I might be the sucker the first time, but I'm not going to take it a second time. Yeah. Um, and then I walked. So my walk was a big walk. It was all the way to Japan because I decided I had enough um, and I needed a fresh start. So 
for me, teaching, I'd, I'd always, I, I did a university degree, I did a degree in um, social science um, with minors in Indigenous health and women's health. So that was a big um, uh, factor for me and I've, I've, I'm surprised that my health was so poor when I was in my 20s because I did have awareness, I was educated um, and did a degree on it. Wow. But for some reason I could help other areas and all of those things but I couldn't help myself. And it wasn't until I spent then a number of years in Japan, so I started off as an instructor at a language school, then I started managing a language school, and then I became a Japanese-English teacher in a junior high school. Wow. So it was, a, it was a combination of me always loving um, people, um, loving instruction and teaching and coaching, except the difference then it was um, language and it was um, English and also what I loved about it is English is full of colloquial friggin slang and it is so <laughs> great to teach it to people who are like a raw canvas yeah and oh, especially like, Australians you know, that's well. right yeah. yeah and and you know just also explaining all those things about Australia to to young young Japanese kids and just their the smile on their faces and how we take for granted the ability and our education systems here that we can learn so much about culture and yet over there and we think Japan's not very far away it's still so very insular and they still don't know a lot about other countries so it's not until they get a chance to come over to Australia and perhaps do a do a term or semester with an English school over here that they then understand what it's all about um, but I loved um, doing that and unfortunately as a result of me loving everything about Japan um, I didn't do anything, I didn't move I ate because over there the izakaya foods over there you can get a hundred yen plates and you just eat and you eat a shitload of rice, you eat a shitload of sushi, you team it with one litres of beer every night after work you catch up with everybody after work because you're doing 60 hour weeks and you just you just peel peel back the layers in an izakaya and, and, and everything's so cheap, everything's fresh and you just don't realise over a number of months to years um, with me I, I had not you know not moved at all, I'd worked, I was sedentary and then before I knew it I was in my mid to late 20s on a walking frame in Japan um, I would have wow. been perhaps 26, Josh. I'm just recollecting years aren't yeah, a bit yeah. blurry for me. Yeah. Um, but um, and they're blurry because also I did drink a lot of alcohol. Yeah. Even though I might have, I might have been in those situations. I was always in control at school when I was teaching. But the thing is, is that's what you do. You, yeah. you did back then. Just a um, big binge when you had the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until I suppose I realised how bad it was when I contracted I contracted fifth's disease in Japan. So it's a condition which affects your joint and protein stores. So the result is a form of paralysis. Wow! So that affected in the hands, in the whole body. Oh, okay. Wow! So I was affected from my neck down. So Jeez. I couldn't move. Um, when I was living with other um, teachers and instructors in, in share accommodation, I'd have to get them to fill up bottles of water for me so I could drink during the day. I couldn't get into uh, onto the floor very well because we slept on futons, on tatami flooring. 
Um, I couldn't go out. Um, I was pretty much a prisoner in my own body. Wow. And, and what, what, what do you reckon you were tipping in at that stage? Um, what do you mean by that? Like, what, what, what would With, your, your rough weight be? Oh, okay. So I would have been probably pushing 120. Holy dooly. 120 kilos. Yeah. And I'm 158 centimetres. Yeah. Um, so it was a lot of load on my joints. And that's the reason why to get to um, health checkups, I had to take another lady from school who could also speak medical Japanese to oh, wow, uh, the hospital yeah. staff because I was not capable yeah. of doing that and explaining pain where it was. Um, so I had um, um, a Japanese friend who, who came with me and I was I just recall the day that I was going to the hospital and I was on a walking frame and I remember seeing all these fantastic older generation Japanese women like going steamrolling me down and walking so no no walking sticks no nothing and then I had that realization was like I have to do something about this I have to go back to Australia and I have to get my shit together and I have to focus on getting well wow um so pretty much what motivated me to I suppose get in that health and fitness industry was sheer like if if, if I didn't do anything about it then I would have been on the on way to dying yeah I, and I and my body was do, dying almost a do or die situation absolutely yeah absolutely and I believe when you get to that point um and I think for some people uh, the the human race perhaps we are on this this scale of of being self-destructive and we've got the finger on the button and we don't appreciate our health and sometimes it will take if you don't listen and if you don't you will be that person who's been sedentary doing your job for 20 years got a family you go to the doctor for your general health check and boom the fucking doctor says to you look you've got type 2 diabetes you're on the way to heart disease, you're on the way to stroke, mm. you're not looking after yourself, and you've probably got five or 10 years to do it before yep. it gets really fucking hard. I was fortunate that when I came back to Australia, at the same time my dad was dying of, um, he was actually in ICU, he was, um, he had meningitis. Wow. So I came back to Australia um, thinking my dad might die. Yeah. Um, not many people survive um, bacterial meningitis, which he had. And um, what happened, he ended up surviving, um, which was great. Unfortunately, lung cancer took him, you know, five, five, five years later. But for me, that was a very big motivating force to see your loved one in that predicament. And it was a health related issue. So yeah. then that scared the shit out of me. And I sort of thought, look, this is something I've got to do, and I've got to do it now. If I deliberate, if I procrastinate like I'd spent most of my 20s doing, I was one of these people that slept in. I was one of these people that didn't give a shit about my health. I was one of these persons that was always the first one to eat and drink and not care about the um, results and what would happen. But then things started to change, and I, I believe that mo those moments in Japan of being truly um, a prisoner, feeling like a prisoner in my body, and I still have that feeling every time I work out. There is not a single 
probably a training session I do not think about that time. Hence, I do not waste a single day nor a single session with just I'm doing something half-assed. I never do something half-assed because I know ultimately that is not the way it goes. So I've had to fight for everything that I've had uh, and I believe if you don't fight for it, you don't deserve it. Wow. Very, very big believer. Yeah. Um, and I really hate people with this sense of entitlement that they go around and they think that they can, you know, have a workout and then Saturday night they go pop some pills and um, they come in and they, they, you know, they do their bicep band work, you know, puff, puff themselves up and I sort of go, look, you know, if that's all it is for you, um, you, you, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Um, but I, I'm a, I really do think that we have one shot at the title and if you do not make your move now and if you wait for an allied health professional to ultimately tell you you are dead or dying, you, you really need to get off your ass and do something about it. I definitely mm. think the people that end up in that mm. situation, they're so out of touch with their body. Like, Absolutely, Josh. How, how can you... Mainly it's a visual. Mm. Like You, you would mm. think most people, their eyes work. Yes. And if you look at yourself and just go, well, like... If I'm looking at an elite athlete, okay, yes. maybe that's unobtainable to me, but yeah. they've got a great physique, that elite yes. athlete. Yeah. Let's dial it down mm -hmm. a little bit more. And if you're, you know, circular instead yes. of, say, rectangular or triangle, yeah. like if yeah. you're a circle, then you kind of know you're out of shape. Yeah. So uh, I, I also struggle mm. to, to understand, uh, and I've also never come from the position mm. of being where they are mm. and you know where you were in your in your mid 20s like I've never yeah. come from that position but I yeah. mean you know at the same time with the type of lives we live in it's only getting worse with technology yes. like I think Absolutely. you can be so out of touch with your body and so focused on everything else that like what you said one day you're just like shit I need a walking frame and you've had that yeah. almost epiphany with these older That's, ladies that are yes. zooming by yeah doing That's everything right. super easy and I and I do believe um I would not change anything that has happened in my life because I believe once you can put down a timeline of events that then result in where you are, you can identify poor behaviour. And my background also, um, I used to do some tutoring at the Q, at QUT and I was a guest lecturer for the nursing faculty many years ago, which I loved. And I'm a very, very big believer that if you can find if you can find and harness or and think about all the things that you've done wrong you can change them mm. but you've got to find them and you've got to consider what they are you can't change yourself until you find those and um, I've done a, a bit of I'm a I suppose I do a little bit of motivational speaking mainly with corporates um, and my my focus with going into corporations is and speak and speaking to individuals within um, corporations is really to plant the seed um, I believe that most people don't take a conscious decision about their health like you can't have a conversation with some people because they're so out of touch and they don't know where to start so my my role is often is when I go and speak to a group of people I don't have any notes because I can actually use all the things that have happened in my life. I can give them tips. And I go, look, I, 
this this might not work for you, but God, it's going to be fucking better than not starting at all. Mm-hmm. And that is the the rawness of people. You know, you've got to sometimes it's hard for them to even talk about it. Yeah. Because they're not even doing anything about it. Sometimes just the delusion as well. Absolutely. Like, how, yeah. how many times have we both had a consultation with someone mm-hmm. that is heavily overweight and yeah. you know, in a really bad spot? And you go, oh, how's your diet? And they're like, yeah, really good. I just look yeah. at them now, I'm like, and how's that working for you? Yeah, that's right. Um, that, that, that's the biggest thing. And then they kind of have to take a second to think. And it's like, oh, maybe it could be better. It's like, yeah. No shit, Shirley. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. And... Um, I, I do agree with what also put things into perspective for me was ensuring I was accountable and was recalling everything that I've ever done. So, like, I've always been very old school in my approach to this as well. I write everything. Um, I've only actually started using Google Sheets this year because I have a coach who sends me my programming. And I was like, I started having a panic attack. I was like, mate, look, I'm old school, brother. Look, I, I, I know what you're doing. But I said, I'm just letting you know, I still have all my training programs that I've had myself written up for, for 12 years, brother, and I said, they're still on journals, they're still on, on exercise books, and I said, I had a training journal, and he, I go, he goes, no, we'll, we, he said, we'll be doing this differently, and I said, okay, I said, now, I'm coming out of my comfort zone, I'm, and I'm showing my age as well, and he goes, we're doing it all on Google Sheets, Kat, and he goes, every week, I'll be changing it, and you'll be able to go with the flow, you'll be able to have progress, and he goes, guess what, you can still have control, you can still have control over it. I go, look, as long as as long as I know what I'm doing, that's most important. So, in fact, since I've had, since I've been a trainer, and I believe any good trainer, um, they will talk freely and very passionately about the people in their corner or in their squad, as I like to call it. And if you do not, as a PT, as a coach, whatever you like to call yourself, if you do not have a coach that you're accountable to, you will not grow you will not expand your mind and you will be closed and you'll be restricted and it will restrict your business and it will restrict the hell out of your brand. And you've got to differentiate yourself now in this big bad world of, of fitness. There's some shit ones, actually there's a lot of shit ones. Oh, it's so um, flooded. And, and it's, um, it's very disappointing. Um, but then I sort of go, no, well, that keeps me in a job because it keeps my game up, it keeps me accountable, but I've always loved just being accountable and I think the advent of technology with apps, um, with podcasts such as yours, people are now, we're wanting more, we're hungry, and when people become hungry for information, shit starts to change. And that is actually what happened to me um, all those years ago. I was, you know, hanging, hanging, doing all this negative shit with apathetic people. Um, and then all of a sudden, I started learning about the body. Mm. I started doing. I started moving. I started proceeding and not receding. And it was simple concepts of just tracking things. And when someone might have said to me, Kath, okay, what what you know what are you what are you eating what you know what's working for you i could actually say what i was doing i could i understood macros i could understand if i wasn't feeling good it might have been because i wasn't eating enough then i realized 
this is all about performance. But it's not just physical. It's got to be mental. If we haven't got our game, we've got brain fade and all of that sort of stuff, that's not working for you either. So it's a combination of accountability. Accountability brings reward, but then you can identify the things that you may not have done. And in most of the things that I've learned about myself over the time, it has been perhaps the things I haven't done. And I have failed miserably, but I have always got up on the horse. And I have had a go, and I have, and I have had a shot at it. And I think that's what differentiates perhaps people who have, um, I've had to, I, I feel sometimes I've had to fight and having that history has given me greater success and I've evolved in a way that most people may not understand because they haven't been through it. And that's why I believe that epic event in your life, you will be able to find it and it will come but when it comes you've got to work with it you can't procrastinate any further i definitely yeah. think um there, there are two types of people mm. what's what you've done is a life event or i guess we can almost just from what you've said two life events mm -hmm. so from moving to japan and then mm. you know hitting the shit in japan yeah. yes you've you've made the most you haven't dwelled no. on the situation you haven't no. you know gone to a puddle of goo you've gone like right yeah. what's next That's so right. you've made the most of a shit situation yeah. whereas on the other flip there are people that are going to dwell and you know absolutely and just really absolutely and and i think um yourself being a coach we we deal with so many people and i say to people when they give me excuse i say look i wrote the first book i wrote v1 of the <laughs> shit excuses to give a PT because I was there so don't think you've got a, a new one because I've heard them all I wrote the first fucking version um, it's got the original I, and, encyclopedia okay and I find that quite fascinating and and I, I like to talk to people about that and for them to then realize that a lot of the conversation and the words that they use is actually past tense so, for example, you talk to somebody and they say, oh, you know, I said, what, you know, what have you done recently? And they go, I've been doing a bit of running. Okay. How long ago was that? 12 years ago. Look, I said recent usually means sort of within the last six months to 12 months. So the fact that you are creating this persona of yourself and it actually is a facade. So you are technically misrepresenting yourself. You are lying to yourself and you are only creating deceit, which is giving you another excuse not to get off your ass today and do something about it. And I actually, as a PT, am very, very happy to identify that language in people when I speak to them. Yeah. And for some reason, most people and most of my clients, like yours, we attract a certain type of person. Our clients are similar to us in, in ways. Yeah. Um, and I'm a no-nonsense sort of person. Um, and I'm very unapologetic and I'm very raw and I get under people's skin at times because I do identify things that they might not want to see. Mm. And I believe any good PT, any good coach should be able to identify those things at a holistic level, not just be responsible for your training or programming, but be responsible 
for your programming of your life. So I kind of see myself as a PA of your life. And at the start, you are going to be, I'm going to be in your face. I'm going to be in your face so much so that when you open the fridge, you're going to see my face. <laughs> so I, I, surprise, surprise, my folk. Um, it's a, it's, it's, a, and I look. It does work. People, people love to hate it, but it works. And I believe success comes down to being confident in your wares. I'm not a used car salesman. I don't need to be. I am driven with my experiences. My experiences have worked me. They have shaped me, and they have made excellent changes in my life. And I want to share those with others. And that's. Yeah, that's and and that's been a big thing for me. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that. What a recap! <laughs> yeah, I know what a recap, hey. Um, <laughs> okay, so mm. what I want to do is I want to go back. So you've yeah. just gotten back to Australia. Yes. Um, Dad's crook. Yes. In hospital. Yes. Where did you start? What was the first thing that you did? Um, I guess on your let's not call it a fitness journey because yeah. you you needed to get well. That's right. So, so the start yeah. of getting well. What yeah. was what was the first thing? Well, we've just moved back to Oz. Yeah. So where'd you go from there? So I needed to get tested for absolutely everything and anything. And I'm a very big believer. I'm a personal trainer coach, and my scope is in that area. So if there's a client I have and I can't give them and I don't know the shit. I'm not going to lie to them and I'm not going to misrepresent them. I'm going to give them a referral to an allied health professional or other industry to get started. And usually if there are things, sinister things outside of my scope, it will be revealed in a blood test. I say, get your bloods done. Um, So that's what I did. So I got all these tests done. Um, I'm also um, an epileptic, so I'm grand seizure and epileptic, so I'll be medicated for the rest of my life. Um, when I presented um, with bloods, there's also some issues with vitamin D, mm-hmm. um, I believe hypothyroidism as Pr- well. Pretty common with females, isn't it, vitamin Co- D? Correct. Yep. Um, so there's all these other things that I suppose then I was hearing all this meta language about health and you know all of this sort of stuff and then I realised we are hinged beings and we have to move. My problem? For many many years through I believe what was grief and I didn't identify it with the history of being around drugs of being around drug takers and being around I was using alcohol like someone using drugs so that was my vice um, and I, I say it wasn't something I'm proud of but it shaped who I was but I needed to actually in a way clean up Yep. So I created my own rehab. I didn't go to AA. I created my own rehab. What my rehab was, was to actually start bringing new things, positive things into my life, one at a time. Wow. So uh, sometimes people will um, overload people with stimulus about, say, losing fat. And this is what you have to, you know, you have to have 10 goals. Fuck no. You just need one to start off with. That is enough. Um... So what I did, I actually signed up at a gym, and I actually got a, I got a um, uh, the two two sessions. They were still offering that at the gym. I signed up to many years ago. What, what was the gym? Fitness first. Oh, okay. So I, what what decade are we in? So decade would be two thousands. Okay. So yeah, the naughty. So yeah, and 
it's really, really funny. The the interesting thing about Fitness First is I ended up working for them. Yeah. So this this kickstarted um, a, a, whirl, a whirlwind of events, and I, I can say that the trainer I had, his name was Andrew. I've forgotten his last name, but he made some very, very clear foundations for me wow. that have stayed with me now. Do you know if he's still in the game? I've been trying to look for him and I, I, I just don't know if he is. I probably could see someone in fitness first and track him down, yep. but he was very good. Okay. Um, and he got me into um, moving, he got me into body awareness and most importantly, I'll never forget, he got me into resistance training. So I hadn't heard of this term resistance training. I didn't even know what the fuck he was talking about, to be honest. Um, and, that's and that's how little I knew about yeah. it. Um, and I sort of, I have a chuckle now because I sort of go, wow, I, I didn't know much at all. Um, I remember my first session, I got on a treadmill. Um, I started vomiting within a minute of starting. Wow. So my, my uncomfortability levels, and also I presented it being a, a very, and I'm not afraid of using the word fat because that's what I was. It was through sheer laziness and greed that I got there. So I, I was sick and unwell every time for a number of weeks. Wow. I, I, I hated it. I didn't enjoy it. And that's because every time I went to do something, even a small task, it ended up in me generally throwing up, right. sweating. Um, and of course, then the body image issues that when you go to a gym, you think everyone's staring at you. Yeah. And look, guess what? No one was staring at me. I just had it in my head. Yeah. Um, and I still use my relationship when I have clients that come in and they say the same thing. And it is, some gyms may actually have that little bit more narcissistic and egotistical tendency, but most of the gyms I've either become members of or have worked for do not have that tendency. Yeah. Um, so um, that, that started, and look, it was uncomfortable. I've got to say, I was a big rig. I'd been abusing my body with alcohol. Um, forgot to mention two packets of darts a day as well. Oh. Um, so I was I was husky as all get out, um, and I was pretty. And I'd given up smokes as well. So my journey, I'd smoked for nearly ten years, and I was in my twenties. So wow. that means I was, if you get put the map, yeah. I was started at a very early age. Got in there fresh. And I got in there fresh. And my dad also smokes. And my dad also a problem with alcohol. So the the thing is, is that the bigger picture, I, I realised how um, in within families these these issues can present themselves. So all I just needed to do was just keep my eye on the task, and I never had I never had any idea of how much weight I wanted to lose. I just know I needed to lose it, and I was happy with able to be able to walk freely, to get up a set of stairs to actually enjoy the treadmill without throwing up. So these were the incremental things I started looking at. Then within months, I started losing weight. And I remember I, I will never ever go back to shopping at a store which caters for larger size clothing <laughs> because I just hated that feeling. Yeah. I hated still being categorized as fat. Yeah. 
and the joys of once you get into a size 14. So really quickly yeah. on that, Kat, yes. I just yes. want your opinion. Yes. What, how do you feel mm. about this whole um, media, mm -hmm. like it's okay to be you and if you are plus size, mm -hmm. which in a nice term is if yeah. you are fat, it's okay to be that way. What's, what's your opinion on that coming mm. from that position? Yeah. Look, there's an extreme, I'm, I'm very aware of some extreme fat, which is the feeders where you've actually got fetish people who are actually identifying mm. and other people are feeding them and then presenting and thinking that's, that's acceptable. Yeah. That is not being accountable and that's not cool. Yeah. Um, I'm all for women being um, empowered, yep. um, but not at the cost of their own health yes um, and I believe that some women have actually got no idea about their health they're not even doing preventative health checks um, looking at things like um, their their heart um, doing um, you know cancer checkups all of these sort of things and they're still actually coming they, they may they may work out but they don't have any idea of eating Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're even not eating enough. Mm. So the reason why that they might not actually also be losing fat is because their body, their cells are starting to die and they're not actually able to rejuvenate. They're not absorbing nutrients. So there's also these, these um, I'm sort of, I stand, as long as you have done optimally what is best for your body, especially when we also live with loved ones and as long as they're also not being affected, because remember when you are a fat person, when I was a fat person, I wasn't living with anybody, but I know that my journey, if they, if to have someone by my side and supporting me and giving me solidarity, that would have even been even much more of a driver for me. Mm. I probably would have done it quicker instead yep. of a year and a half. Yep. So to be, to be fat and proud, but to be ignorant about it mm. and to be blasé and not know your shit, no, nah, that's not cool. That, that to me, yeah. is not cool. Um, and male or female, I'll, 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 I, I don't agree with it. Um, if, you are, if, you are, if you are fat, you are strong, you're actually getting in there and having a good crack at stuff and you're actually doing your best and you're actually looking after your health, guess what? I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah, so that's where I pretty much stand with that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right, so uh, mm. let's double back. So, You've yep. just wanted to not be identified There's, as that fat person, size yep. 14. That's right. So I don't. I didn't keep any of my fat clothes. You know, people say, oh, pull out your, pull out your fat pants. Do Kat. the bloody um, Jenny Craig yeah, jeans yeah. I'm not thing. Yeah. You've not seen a picture of me in my fat pants. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, um, I'm, I sort of go, why would you want negative vibes? It's 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 like inviting it all back into your life again. I reckon that was one one part of one part of me, but it's certainly not going to be um, what what presents itself for my future. Um, and I only have kept one um, fat photo, and that is a reminder of never to be that person again. And yeah. I look at that picture of me, and it is the most alien person. When I look at it, I don't even see me. Perfect, yeah. I see all the bad things, the poor things, the apathetic lifestyle, the excuses, 
the shit, the excuses, V1, I wrote it, as I said, and I see that, and that is a reminder that I will never be that person again. So um, I will never shop in those shops that cater for big people again, so therefore I will never get fat again. I train sometimes with 45 kilos um, in a backpack as a reminder of what it feels like on my current body weight to have 45 kilos in a backpack to be back there. And I can tell you, doing my schedule of say doing some squats, some lunges, some crab walks, some presses, holding on to an extra 45 is a goddamn, like it's a major factor in saying, I'm not going back there. Mm. So we must remind ourselves because complacency happens to all of us. We are not infallible to weakness. And the, the weakness can sometimes, for people who are performance-based people, we are more than likely to experience it many times in our, in our cycle as we age. Plus also, because we train, we're very critical of ourselves. Yeah. Then when we start to overtrain or become demotivated, then that's when we start to question ourselves. So weaknesses isn't necessarily a bad thing, but you need to actually continue to get get focused and have clarity. And that's why your goals may change. I have a goal every day to complete one task. Mm. So it is not related to moving. It's not related, it can be about finances. It could be about relationships. It could be about my jobs. You know, it could be about, fuck, cleaning the cupboards. It could be about the bathroom, but it has to be done. And you don't, it's not a, it's not a negotiable. Yep. That doesn't get added on to the next day so that you have to do two. You must do one. That's not negotiable. That's right. One thing I never did when I was fat was I never had focus and I never had accountability. Right. And that changed my life when I could actually um, have a goal and complete it. Because also, when you're, when you're losing weight to and also you're on a journey, you realise that sometimes the people that were in your squad are no longer evolving like you are. And you question and you realise sometimes people are going to sabotage your shit. They're going to, they're going to walk right over you and they're going to sabotage you. They like to do it. They love to do it, in fact. Um, and I remember culling a shitload of people from my life in my 20s once I became well first. So being well is optimally what I want everyone to do. Mm. So when someone says they want to learn to run, I go, look, all I want you to do is run 100 metres quick when the zombie apocalypse comes because Get up fuck, if you can't, if you can't <laughs> fucking run, then you're fucked, right? But all I, all, I, all I want you to do is just run fast for that, that use those short twist muscles fucking run and look you've survived all right as long as there's someone slower than you that's right okay and that's all i need you to run i don't want you necessarily to to do a 24-hour ultra marathon you know if that's your goal that's cool but from my focus i want you to be functional i want you to be well first that is ultimately we are human we are made up of cells we are made up of blood water bone cartilage we're all these things but You've got this big, greater goal, but you haven't looked at the raw canvas in which you are. The foundations need to be looked at before you look at all these airy-fairy fluff, yeah. you know? And then building on those, 
getting well, getting strong. So that was a big one for me. So once I started, once I lost fat, I could move freer. I understood what people meant by, you know, joints on knees, joints on feet, joints on your hip. So then I started learning about the body. Um, I started learning about the anatomy, which I love. I love skulls and I love looking at bodies. And I used to, I remember seeing a um, exhibition in Japan, which was actually the dead bodies exhibition. Uh, and that's actually real live bodies um, and cadavers that have been cut up and you can see oh, wow. the intricacies of so the So not like body. the mummified stuff like this? No, is like this people. actually, yeah. So people wow. cut in, cut in 10, yeah, 10 yep. slices and then you see all the skeletal system, the vascular system um, and, and, and the heart and how it's dissected, all the arteries, the, the blood work. I mean, it's, it's an amazing city, the body. Um, and I love it. I really love the body. Um, and I suppose once I became hungry for knowledge, knowledge became power. Then Definitely. I could have a conversation with an allied health professional because I could know then if he was giving me fibs or if he was just fibbing me off. I think even if they yeah. know what they're talking about. like, yeah, Have absolutely. you ever gone to a doctor and you're like, oh, I've got this wrong with me, mm. and you start going through and they look yeah. at you like you're an idiot mm -hmm. and then they try to dumb it right down. It's like... Well, hang on, champ. Like, yeah. do you even know we, like what's going on? Oh, I'm just going to refer you to a physio. You're like, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Exactly. So that is, um, I suppose, what I loved um, about my um, journey. My journey has been an evolving process of just learning something new every day. And I still am learning something new every day. And mostly it's actually from my clients because I'm into engaging with so many different people from many different walks of life, many different occupations, many different levels of society, and they've got perspective, and that perspective filters into me, and I can actually then use that information in my day. And I and a lot of people go, oh, you've, you've helped me, Kath, with this, and I'll go, hang on a second, I might have been the vehicle in which you've done that, but you have also given me knowledge so I think it's a very very important thing to share with your clients um, as a coach that you get as much satisfaction out of also engaging with them and it's not just talking about programming we must be there because we don't know when the shit's going to hit the fan for some of these people yeah we don't know their journey until they open up but we must find that common ground in which they feel safe to do so definitely yeah, yeah. that's awesome Kat. Mm. Um, all right, let's, uh, well, I already know what a couple are. Yes. Um, let's, let's talk about hobbies. What are you doing at the moment? And uh, we'll, we'll get into what you're training for. So. Okay. All right. So hobbies are an interesting one for me. I, I love animals. It's really funny. I think so many humans have fucked me off for so long. I've had to just go back to the four-legged animals, all right? <laughs> um, it's, it's really funny. Um I, I've done many things and I've spent most of my life doing things alone. So I train alone um, as PTs and coaches. It suits my personality. I mean, we come, in to a, uh, we come in to work every day, but I can say I rarely talk or engage with most of my colleagues because we're all running a smaller business in a bigger business. So most of the ventures in the, my day is run 
and I've always now been accountable because the only person who can fuck my day up is me. Mm. And that's why I love being a small business owner because I know what I'm in control of. And that is perhaps the reason why a lot of my hobbies are probably based on um, being um, by myself. And I don't think that's a bad thing. No, um, I believe our society has created this front that we all need to be, you know, um, you know, in, in groups and we need to find a, a, a social community. I believe that's important to some people, but it hasn't been my driving force. And let's face it, a lot of people have, very, have disappointed me a lot. They've made a lot of promises and they haven't kept to it. So I've been hurt as a result, and then what I do now is I do things that I feel are right for me and my and my choices. Um, so I do. I'm a I'm a pet sitter and a dog walker. So I actually go into people's homes and I take care of their house and their dog whilst they're away. And I love I love that. I, I suppose what comes with that is to me integrity and honesty two attributes which are very very difficult to find in a lot of people and to know that someone can actually do a reference check on me and it's based on the fact that I'm allowed in their home mm. whilst they are not there and not just for one night but it could be several weeks yeah um, so I love doing that and that keeps me um, accountable it is a business, so of course, like any business, there's there's a transaction of, of money involved, and I'm not, I'm you don't hire me if you want a teenager to look after your mouse, and you don't hire me if you want an old grandma to walk your little chihuahua down the road. You hire me generally for the big thug dogs that everyone's got, and one can't walk them as regular as they like because life gets in the way, and we yep. all get that, and. The, the the big dogs need to be walked just like humans. Yeah. Every animal needs a good old walk. Um, so walking has actually helped me um, with my mind. Um, I don't have a lot of downtime. So walking is actually the way I like to actually think about my life and think about things. Um, so in fact, having a second business has given me more virtue in that, in, in that way I can, I can think freer. And Josh, I, I've only just started using a laptop. This again, I'm, I'm showing my age, and I'm showing how fucking old school I am. Still waiting for those Google still, sheets still, to rock up still in the post. Oh god! And and you know, I I'm, I do everything, and I've, I've got a phone, and everything is my my phone does a, a lot for me now. But I still write everything down. I have. Um, I tick off my bank statements. I still get my bank statements in paper form, so I tick it off. Huh. Um, I, 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 I'm, I run in this way, and perhaps I don't know whether it's because I am old school, but I'm a very, very functional, basic person with a big personality. And I'm very complex when you get to know... Everyone sort of says, oh, you, you're a bit non-fuss, and I go, oh, look, I'm non-fuss, but I'm complex. Um, and it's it's those intricacies um, and quirky things, I suppose, that people um, can struggle with. But I'm very, very old school, and I don't like having my life in a phone because I kind of go, 
what happens if the cloud gets this shit? And I, yeah, and I didn't, lose you know, it? that's where's, right, the where's the cloud gone? You know, <laughs> and I still, I'm, I ask questions about this, and I, and I don't like to just hand things over because it removes that level of control that I've had in my life, especially since everything that happened in my twenties. I now am so in control that I can tell you my schedule with all my pet sitting jobs with my job here and also my other mobile business as well that I do and I can tell you all of that in a week it may change but I can tell you all that I can yep. tell you down to time and um, another hobby of mine is I suppose rest oh fantastic and answer and I'm, and I'm gonna yes and I know that I know people go oh look you've just got to start prioritizing and you and I'll go look shut the fuck up um <laughs> I understand where you're coming from but there is a level that um when you're and I'm gonna I don't want to blow my own trumpet here Josh but when you get to a level of um you evolve and things become you know like I sometimes, my, my brain's thinking all the time about different things I can achieve. Um, I go to a space and I've got to do programs for people in parks, often at short notice, and I don't know what gear's there. So when I'm out constantly, I am constantly doing like parkour in my head and I'm converting every fucking bit of space into a workout. So it can be as tiny as your coffin that you might go in one day and I can get a space and I'm visualizing what's going on. And it's a constant for people who are performance-based people. And that's why I sort of said before, we can become demotivated easier than a beginner who's just starting. And that's actually more dangerous for us because it puts us in a rut and we become more critical. So what we forget to do is what is actually more beneficial than even the exercise is rest and recovery. Yeah. All of which, I found out later in the PT game, um, and it's only been through injuries, I suppose. Um, I'm just had actually some feedback on a on a I thought was a torn tendon in my Achilles, is actually bursitis and um, tendonitis, which is a result of me doing excessive amounts of load on my body. And my doctor has said to me, "Look, you need to rest." Is, and I, is that due to training or previous? It's actually the amount of walking I do, the amount oh. of training I do, and the fact that I never rest and I'm standing in my job. Right. So, for example, today, this is the first time I've sat all day and I've been up since four o'clock. And then we finish up today, I'm back at the gym, you know, for another four hours tonight. So, um, rest and recovery, I didn't understand until I got injured. So, my injuries actually made me very um, acutely aware that I wasn't doing the right thing by my body. So most of my goals at the start of the last two years have been based on rest and recovery and getting a work-life balance. What have been some of those major injuries that you've had? Okay, so <laughs> I have got, we'll start from the lower body. Um, so left um, Achilles heel, bursitis um, and tendonitis and that has been ongoing for two years yep. it presented itself in calf tightness um two years ago and then they said that if you do not take the load off you may be looking at torn calves and achilles which will need to be put together so i'll need to have surgery, surgery. 
um, and they've said that even I can't have injections, um, cortisone injections in the side because it thins the wall of the heel and uh-huh. then it collapses and then it tears as a result of the collapse. So there's nothing I can do there except all I do for my job, I, I like to actually um, um, wrap it up with rigid tape um, around the heel and that supports it. I wear really good sneakers. I wish some um, company, particularly Brooks, would endorse me because I fucking buy a shitload of their shoes. <laughs> um, um, and a good, you know, I, I've always believed in good coffee, good fragrance, and a good pair of fucking sneakers. <laughs> um, and 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 you know, all these tight asses out there, they go, oh fuck, coffee's. And I go, look, fucking just enjoy it. If you don't want it, don't have it. But it keeps me awake. At four o'clock, you don't want to deal with a grumpy cat. All right. So, so, so you don't want to deal with a grumpy cat any time in the day, let right. alone four o'clock. That's right. Um, and it's quite funny. So I go, good coffee, good fragrance, and get a good pair of sneakers. So from the left side, then I work up to my right side. So my right knee, I have a baker's cyst that's about ten centimeters by four. I've had um, that for four or five years, which is pretty much the duration of me um, in the. Um, PT industry Um, and that I believe was a result perhaps of poor lifting many years ago Right. and um, also I did get told that with the amount of weight I carried that can also be a sign of if you're doing um, plyometrics when you're really big so you know when you see a lot of big people doing split and jumping lunges and you're going oh my god like I see that and I go that's horrific like That's doing bad, but that can't be good. So perhaps I did a little bit of jumping and things like that when um, I was still quite obese. Um, And I believe that may have also um, had impact on that. And I have had a number of injections, but it is actually getting better. I've actually backed away from doing 1RMs. So I won't do 1RMs in um, deadlifts and squats. Instead, I actually lift heavy for reps, which I I like. I then had a torn tendon in my right arm, um, which was a small tear, but enough to um, give me grief for about nine months. So in this time, I didn't have a day off work. Yeah. You keep, as we know, um, we, we just keep on grinning and bearing it, and that's because that's what we do. Um, we've never done... Uh, I, I, every PT I know in the industry is um, carrying an injury or has pre-existing injuries, which cause them grief regularly throughout the day. But do we complain and winch about it? No. Um, we just do it. I believe the one in the tendon was as a result of doing a lot of um, pet walking yep. through lead, lead pull. Okay. Um, so I've actually changed the grip that I use with um, leads and everything and, and adjusted that. That's quite good. Uh, and then I tore my supraspinatus uh, on my left side, um, which was about a year and two months recovery. Uh, that was fucked because I couldn't do... I love working the upper body. I've always loved shoulders. Um, so things like my strict press suffered, my bench suffered. Um, and I'm a very big believer that women should work those industri- um, areas in particular. Uh, we're told mainly because we shouldn't be strong there, so don't work them. So I sort of go, well, anyone that says to me not to do something, I'm going to fucking do it. So <laughs> I just did the opposite to what everyone said. Um, and that's why I've got a big upper body, I suppose. But um, that... that that suffered and then of course um, our, our doms with our own training that we get as well uh, and, I, and all of those injuries have only made me um, more in tune um, with my body 
also to connect to the right people in the industries. There's a lot of shonky people out there. So knowing good exercise physios, knowing actually, you know, the best equipment and working smart and not hard. Let's face it, I'm in my 40s. Um, I don't want to be out there um, being told to do the same stuff as someone in, my tw in their 20s. I am 20 years older than them. Um, and I do believe um, we need to program according to those things, those lifestyle factors too. That's awesome, mm. Kath. Yeah. What, what do you feel is a, um, a reason for training now? So do you, do you have the same sort of, uh, well, let's not call it a philosophy, mm. but yes. do you have the same reasons for training as when you first started or now have you kind of taken no. a different path? Um, very, very different path. So when I actually first started, that actually led to I then did bodybuilding. So I actually competed in um, the 2008 INBA novice, um, novice competition in um, physique in bodybuilding. So the transformation at that stage, I believe, I needed two years. It was about two years before wow. I actually got up there. And, and remember, I'd gone from so wearing... So back in 06, yeah. started training yeah. for... That's right. Getting on stage 08. Yeah, so... Start of the year, end of the year? Um, it was May. I got on the stage. Okay, season yeah, A. That's right. So it's it's quite interesting. And remember, I the, the things I had to learn also was confidence in yep. my body. Oh, definitely. Because before... Stage presence and everything. I, yeah. Before, I didn't even wear a bikini, let alone being in front of not only a judge or number of judges and panel, but an audience I didn't know yep. in front of doing a, a, a routine to music in a bikini. Seeking so I'd gone I, And I'd gone from, you know, being this, this fat... Um, scared, you know, you know, person, and I was out of my comfort zone, and 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 I, and I believe maybe that's what that's what helped me. I believe um, bodybuilding to me is very one-dimensional. Um, it created um, a lot of personality rifts in me afterwards because I had worked so hard, but then it died in the ass after I got on stage for my couple of minutes. The two years that I took to get there, I sort of was like, oh, is this, is this it? Um, and perhaps if I would have had a coach at that stage, they would have actually started rebuilding and reformulating and looking at the next next set of goals or next you know time I was going to be on stage and whatnot. So you did this whole two years by yourself? Absolutely, I did. Wow, okay. Absolutely, I did. Um, and I seized actually what... Um, made me disappointed was two weeks before I was to compete I seizured at fitness first so I actually came off an elliptical trainer and I wow. split my head open there and <sighs> I was rushed to hospital so the Royal Brisbane hospitals just down the road um, and um, I just remember coming to and I was vomiting so I had concussion um, and therefore that affected my drying out and the last yeah. the, the, the more I suppose aesthetic um, yep. um, principles of bodybuilding close to close to being on stage um, I was yeah I was in a I was in a pretty bad predicament and then I competed then I um, seizured again two weeks after the competition because of the stress so for myself stress mm, on the body on the or what you created yes. within yourself so probably combination okay um, I, I, I wasn't I wasn't coached and I believe if you are going into um, such a very um, big, big first competition. You need to be coached by the 
best people in the industry, mm. all of which have got, um, you know, you need to ask these questions to your coach. You know, can you show me photos? How long have you been doing? You need to, you need to really find out information. Um, so I did all my coaching myself. So I didn't present the best. And now I know when I do things, I want to be 100% with what I do. So I ne- you need to be passionate about what you do. So I'm not so passionate about that. That That's not me. There's heaps of other coaches that I would actually advocate to clients. If they come to me for bodybuilding, I'd say, look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not your lady. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what for me went wrong was the fact that also having epilepsy is not the best thing to have when you're competing in bodybuilding. Yeah. Okay, with the water um, load, with your food, your, your, your food, all of that sort of stuff, it's not, it, it's in fact dangerous. So although I was medicated, I was still seizuring. Uh, and it can kill, like if I have a seizure and I fall, it, it can kill you. Yeah. I've got a conditional license, driving license. So every year around my birthday, I have to get authorization to continue driving, to continue to have my independence. Mm. Uh, And that's why I've also, that's another big thing of why I walk a lot, because one day it will be taken from me. And I need to be versed and I need to to be able to walk to get me to where I need, you know, where I I need to do. Um, So now when I, now when I train, um, my, for me personally, what I love is um, training for performance so i love so what i love is as i said before i used to train one rep maxes so i i found that just with me one aging and my the the amount of recovery on and also the load just on tendons ligaments all of those sort of things because a lot of people we talk about the muscular system but we also forget about the load on ligaments tendons and that is actually what has created all the injuries. And it was sort of me having this realization that, okay, I'm aging, but how can I age gracefully, but still have a muscular physique? And I've always been one of these women that I love vascular and I love muscular women. I love having muscles. I like having a solid set of shoulders. I like having big legs. And I believe if that is the way you were born, I'm not going to want to be a skinny person because that is not in my cellular makeup. So I put two and two together. I thought, you know, when I was in my 20s, I might have had this this clash with my body and, and underrepresented because I always wanted, the, the media has always sort of said, women have got to look skinny. No, we don't. We've got to be strong and we've got to love who we, who we are. But you have to look at your mother's and father's genes. If you, if your mother and father look like you, you're never gonna be a skinny person. So I came to a long time ago, and I suppose that is what coming into the industry later in life has been a positive for me. Um, I might have to compete with people 20 years younger than me, but I believe wisdom will never ever reach that thing. If the younger people have um, experience and they're solid with conversation with the people that they're, they're engaged with, great. But I think that's what creates sometimes is that age, you can, you can talk about things better. Yeah. So now that I'm in my 40s, I train for performance and I train to ensure that all my um, things work together holistically. So for example, 
I'm on top of knowing my um, food. So I don't have an excuse and I can't with the work that I do um, and the amount of activity I do, I have to eat. So I believe the very, very good saying, athletes don't diet and they don't exercise, we eat and we train. And that is the difference. And that is how I live my life. So when I train now, I train heavy, but what used to be my one rep max is nearly now what I do for three sets of 10 or 12. So for example, I used to do 110 kilo squat, low bar um, squat. Now I can do 95 kilos 10 times for three or four sets. Yeah. So that's that's right. Mm. And that to me, um, if we look at some good theories um, and, and I have looked at many things over the year, I believe as you age, muscu- muscular maturity happens as you age. You don't have to start having this philosophy of dying or that you're getting old. You can in fact enhance yourself, but you have to do the right type of training. Yeah, oh, well, so, training age, yeah. like as an example, that, like you, yeah. the longer you train and the more consistently you train, mm. your training age increases, which has so many benefits as well in terms of if you go do go on hiatus for yes. injury or yeah. holiday or something, mm. you can come back and return yeah. to a certain level quicker than what you could if you were younger, that's but in right. training age. Yeah, that's right. So I train four weeks, um, and generally it's, and I do deadlift, bench, and squat throughout the week, um, and therefore three sets, four sets, and they're heavy, but I have to do, you know, 10 to 12 reps. Yeah. Um, I isolate my shoulders still, so I might have a day where I might do five or six shoulder exercises. They burn, um, and, it, I, and I am still getting delayed onset muscle soreness now, even though I've been training for a number of years. And training for, I've been training now for 12 years, um, and my um, goals have changed so much, but I have seen all the years of consistent conditioning of the body now starting to happen. Um, so body fat now, with even though I'm aging, has actually been easier than what it was, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is that when you start training heavy and when you start training heavy and for volume, you then realise, okay, if I'm going to be a performance athlete, I'm going to have to eat like one. So that ripples into then your nutrition you start becoming very, very aware of what you can and can't eat. The timings of food is very, very important. Um, as an epileptic, I also need to um, make sure that I rest for generally six to eight hours. Um, I never get eight hours because my shit is still so fucking shit um, <laughs> after all these years. Um, and and I, it still frustrates me. Um, magnesium to me is life. I found um, oh, magnesium. Isn't, isn't, yeah. Do you love it too? Oh, oh. I need it. Far out. If I could have that. It's shit, changed my intra- life. Intra- yeah, me too. The spray. Yeah, yeah. Magnesium spray, spray has changed Absolutely. my life. Absolutely. 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 Um, transdermal magnesium. If I could have that shit in an, in an IV all day, <laughs> I'd be I'd be set. Um, but the the trans, like I probably use three times a day. I was just spraying it on before we started the oh, podcast. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and it's really funny because people going, you know, people say, me, oh, what are you, are you spraying fragrance? So I go, no. 
get some magnesium up here. Um, <laughs> and, it's, and it's really fascinating. And I put that all over my joints um, after a shower. Um, Epsom salts, you know, bath and then pop your, your nice robe on so you don't dry yourself off so all the magnesium enters the body. Absolute game changer. And I do agree, it changed, it changed yeah. my life as well. Um, so there's all these, I suppose, little little things I do do now. Um, but as I've aged and my training has changed, I have noticed energy, it, it does get harder. Yeah. So I don't, I, and, I, and people go, oh, you work out, you, you work out pretty hard, Kath, by the looks of it. And I go, no, I've been working out like this since day dot. As I said, you know, like uh, when, when you have a when you have something taken from you, or potentially could have all ended very differently for me, is that I don't take a day for granted when I'm training, and I don't like being interrupted when I train. I like to have my music on. I don't do a workout without my music. So if I forget my buds, I'm fucked. So the <laughs> the thing is is, and everyone knows that because they know. Um, usually. I'll give people body language. I'll always acknowledge people um, if I if I see them. I usually they know it's the tough um, nod, the cat nod they call it. Um, but um, I do believe that if you see someone training hard, don't interrupt them. Oh. Um, that's a given. Um, and perhaps this is also the reason why I often don't train at the workplace. Yeah. Because. I sometimes don't get peace, and yeah. you perhaps understand that as a coach yourself. Definitely. Uh, and I have made changes myself to ensure, and that's why pet sitting has um, been very, very good. I have a chance when I'm at other people's homes to check out other locations. So often I do casual visits at other gyms, and it gives me often, you know, food for thought. I meet other people in the industry, um, and all those sort of things as well. So we're going to wrap up the episode just there, guys. Uh, Make sure you tune in next week for the continued version um, of episode five. So this will be with Kath next week still. Uh, It's going to be an amazing uh, rest of the podcast, guys. You're going to really love it. Um, Kath has still got some amazing insights. So team, if you could head over to um, ATP uh, on Instagram, please give us a like. Um, Please give us a follow. Uh, Anything you can do to support the uh, podcast would be great, guys. So if you did enjoy this, please screenshot it, put it up on Instagram and tag us. Um, We'd love to feature you in our story. Um, Anything you can to help, guys. We need all the support we get. Um, And yeah, we just want to be able to keep growing the podcast. So guys, make sure you tune in next week for Kath again, finishing off this podcast. Um, You're going to love it, team. And we'll see you next week.